Well, today we're going to start a new series, and it is called Let There Be Light. And you might uh, be biblically astute enough to think, okay, hold on a second. Um, that is not a phrase that's connected with uh, the nativity. That's not a, a, a Luke chapter 2 phrase. No, in fact, it's from Genesis 1 where God speaks into the darkness and says, Let's there, let there be light. This is, in, in fact, my take on light arriving. And over these next few weeks, we're going to touch on Isaiah, where he talks about light shining in darkness. And it really is Jesus coming, Jesus, the light of the world, coming to earth, coming into our dark world and bringing light. And once again, God's speaking into the darkness and saying, let there be light. Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who came to save us from our sins. I don't know if you've ever um, had difficulty with your eyes. I didn't until I was 40. It was kind of funny how I, sad and funny, how I, I, uh, I came across this. Somebody gave me as a gag gift on my 40th birthday, they gave me some readers. And I put them on, and, you know, just as a joke, and I'm like, oh, wow, this actually helps. <laughs> so from that point on, I've, uh, you know, realized that I have old eyes and uh, um, I'm just uh, coming to that. But earlier on, uh, when I was uh, uh, probably in college, I was having a little trouble with my eyes. I'd never been to an eye doctor in my life, other than the fact that, you know, just going to the, um, the, the school nurse and them doing an eye test and saying, yeah, your eyes are good. But at this one point, I ended up in an in a, in a eye doctor's office, and it was up at the mall, this big, huge mall where we were living in Vancouver. And Dana and I went, um, so it must have not have been college. It was, were we dating? or I think we were dating at the time. And so Dana went with me, and they, uh, the person asked, uh, she said, uh, have you ever had your eyes dilated? And I said, no, actually, I haven't. And uh, she says, well, it'll, uh, I'll put these drops in, and it'll take about 15, 20 minutes for, for your eyes to dilate. And then that time, you know, if you have someone with you, you can just go out into the mall, or you can stay here. And the last thing I want to do is sit um, I'd rather walk around. Time goes quicker while you're walking around. So Dana, uh, they put these eye drops in my eyes, and Dana kind of led me around the mall. And little by little, my eyes just start going Whoa, like this. And I go, other than seeing light, I cannot see anything. If you've, if you've never had your eyes dilated, it's just like this crazy feeling. This You, you can't see. And it was so frustrating. All I wanted to do was just kind of fix it. I wanted to do something. I wanted to go away. And I knew I had to go back and get my eyes checked and that. But I tell you, it was the most stressful and, and anxiety-causing experience that I've had in my life. It's just this, I can't see. I have to be led around as if I were blind. Well, in some ways, that is a, a, an illustration of uh, the world we live in today. And not just the world that we live in today, the world since sin entered into it at the fall. It's frustrating. It's as if we're looking through blind eyes and this darkness. And, and even scripture talks about, about the world coming under frustration because of sin. And I don't know if any of us are too far away from that at any point in our lives, this frustration and angst that we have because of sin. Look at what the prophet Isaiah writes about in Isaiah 59 and see if this resonates a little bit with you and the world around us. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. 
We grope like the blind along a wall. That's Darren in the mall with his eyes dilated. Feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like the dead. Isn't that incredible? Even among the living, we are like we're dead. Ever feel like that? Your life has the makings of success and, and joy and, and all of these good things, and yet it's not. Your life has all the markings of happiness and, and fulfillment. It's, it's bright, it's positive, and yet it's not. You're not alone. Especially at this time of year, it's this upbeat holiday cheer that's going around, these commercials and advertisements. It's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? We all put on this smiling face, and we're going to see Santa at the mall, and, and we're going to the Christmas parade, and all these things are great, but they're not. There's emptiness. And in some way, I think Isaiah might have written this thinking not just into his world, but, and, but probably thinking ahead to our time. Maybe even to Thanksgiving when all of this cheer was, it was filling our environment. And yet in reality, this is the case. Everything is supposed to be blissful. It's the most wonderful time of the year except on Black Friday. Uh, it was funny, I was reading a story, and years ago, I guess, in, in Los Angeles, there was a, a dude who took pepper spray to a, a, uh, a Black Friday sale like this, and the way he was, he, he was getting everyone away from his TV was to pepper spray, and I, according to reports, he pepper sprayed 20 people. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's the most wonderful time of the year filled with joy and, and happiness, and psh- Get away, this is my TV, right? We have all of this, all this hope, all this joy, all this fulfillment, and yet there's emptiness. Almost what Isaiah was talking about. Holidays are really a place for amplified gloom and despair. And we're buying presents, we're going to holiday parties, Family dynamics and relationships get into all of this and reality hits. We're searching for substance and meaning, peace and calm, and yet we're surrounded by chaos and anxiety, not to mention financial woes, relationship concerns, and so many other things. I want to give you a bit of homework, maybe even an experiment that's this week or the next few weeks when you're out and about. I want you to think about your world and those around you, the community we live in. I want you to maybe pause for a moment on your next shopping trip and just take a step back and observe. Observe those things that so many people are, are chasing after and things that are are. are the center of their attention that they are feeling and look as if they will provide them with all of the fulfillment and joy and peace. And yet look at what is truly going on. 
You see, we often equate darkness with satanic activity, or if we have an image of a, of a dark uh, uh, of darkness in our world. We have maybe, maybe images of a horror movie or something that is so sinister and evil that we can't stomach it. And yet, yet it, yes, evil and darkness is that, but darkness is also the absence of light. And it's more simply the gloom and the despair, the worry and the fear that each and every one of us is susceptible to. That's where society lands today. I don't think society in general struggles with the sinister horror type of evil that we would consider darkness. I believe our community and our society struggles with simply the absence of light and joy and peace. Isaiah says, even at brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we're like the dead. Thankfully, there's hope. Thankfully, there is hope. You see, God throughout history is a God of revelation. As Jason mentioned, God is also a God of restoration, but first and foremost, God is a God of revelation. He's constantly saying, look, I'm here. Here I am. I want you to know me. I am a knowable God. I'm not a God who is far off. I'm a God who is near. God is a God of revelation. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And this another place where God in Scripture reveals Himself. At this time in Scripture, this is about, as best people can guess, maybe a year or two at most after Jesus' Death and his resurrection is an, and his ascension. This is a time after Jesus has gone up to heaven. And there was a man named Saul who was a Jewish religious zealot. He was committed to destroying the uprising caused by this man named Jesus. And he truly was the leading edge of a triple threat. And that triple threat was the Roman Empire. It was the Jewish religious leaders and it was Gnosticism and all of these three things combined. Saul was the leading edge of this wedge in order to, to squash everything that came out of this Jesus movement. And we see in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 3, the story of this encounter. It says, as Saul was approaching Damascus, on his mission to destroy the church. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you per persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He, rema he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. 
We're told that there was a Christ follower in Damascus named Ananias. And Ananias is told by the angel of the Lord that there's this occurrence, this event that took place. And that, in fact, this dude named Saul, this notorious dude named Saul, was going to come and see him. And he was to lay his hands on him and pray that that Saul would receive sight. You ever thought about being put in that position? Ever thought of being Ananias and one day just minding your own business and all of a sudden you, you have this word from the Lord, hey, there's this notorious criminal who deep down in his heart wants to kill you and murder you and, and eliminate you and your entire family off the face of the earth and he's coming to see you. Great. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for the heads up. I'm going on vacation. You ever thought about that? And Ananias' response is, are you sure? Is there anyone else up there I can talk to? There's no way that this assassin, this murderer, this worst of the worst is coming to see me and I'm supposed to lay my hands on him and pray for him that he'd receive his sight. And God says to him, yes, I've chosen him and I've revealed myself to him. Why are you struggling with this? Why are you struggling with this idea? And, and that's the question that I have for all of us. Why do we struggle with that thought, with that idea? That the worst of the worst would be someone who the light of Christ would shine on. See, it's not just Ananias. So often, here's this person, here's this guy, here's this girl who needs to change. And when God moves miraculously in in their lives, we somehow question God as to if it's legitimate or not. Real people living without Jesus, Saul, a real person breathing out murderous threats. Who is this in your life? Who is this in my life? I think this is for you, for me. This is a high school friend. This is a hunting buddy. This is a workout partner. People living in darkness far from Christ. For me, a few years ago, it was my men's hockey league buddies, far from Christ. Maybe it's a community leader. Maybe it's an entertainment personality. Maybe it's an economic personality, a political personality. Or maybe it's even this guy. Why do we struggle so much with it? person living in darkness, walking in darkness, far from Christ, the light of Christ shines in their life and we're sitting there going, is this for real? Can this be? Who are you talking about, God? For those of you who don't know, this is Kanye West. And unless you've been living in a hole, you've probably heard his name. Pop culture icon of our day. If not the, one of the. Controversial life, incredibly divisive words and actions throughout his life. 
Not just in religious communities, but in in other communities. Incredibly controversial, incredibly hurtful parts of his life. Injurious to many, many people. And yet when he has a conversion experience, we're left scratching our heads saying, really? No way. This has to be a joke. I need more proof. You know, for me, over these last number of weeks, it's been more of the posture of sitting back and watching how Christians respond to an event like this. You know, on one hand, we are jumping on board and worshiping him as if he's the Messiah himself. On other ends, we're sitting back going, can't be. He's faking it. I want you to put your hunting buddy on that screen. I want you to put your workout partner on that screen. They had a conversion experience, and even if they were to stumble through their first weeks and months, maybe even years, would you sit back and cross your arms and say, hmm, I wonder if it's legit. Is it really true? I venture to say we wouldn't. But yet, why is it a Saul figure, a Kanye figure, whoever the figure is, we're sitting there and somehow limiting the light of Christ from a person's life? You see, God is God of revelation, and He's not selective in who He reveals Himself to. You know, we as Christians have extreme responses. Either we neglect and disqualify, or we exalt and we worship. There's either praise and celebration, or there's despair and kicking a person to the curb. But I would say that there are some God-honoring postures that we can have, and that is of prayer and support. I want to remind us all that God is in the life-changing business. Do we need to be reminded of that? That God takes people walking in darkness and brings them into light. God takes people caught in sin and sets them free. God is a God who brings salvation and has brought salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want, I want to identify some truths and remind us of some truths as if these need to be stated at all, but I think they're good for us to be reminded of. And if you want to write these down, I'd encourage you to do so. The first is this, that sin blinds people. Sin blinds people. I've said this before and I want to say it again, that that unsanctified people do unsanctified things. Out of unsanctified hearts comes, comes unsanctified actions and words and deeds. It's expected. Sin blinds people. Those walking in darkness will hear in a few weeks' time from, from Isaiah 9, those walking in darkness have seen a great light. There's no need for light if people aren't walking in darkness. Sin blinds people. Thankfully, number two, God's love is revealed. God loves to reveal Himself. God is a God of revelation. He's constantly saying, I'm here. And you know what? Yeah, we play a role in that, but you know what? God 
is sovereign. God is capable. God is supernatural. And he's capable of expressing himself and revealing himself in supernatural ways that even you and I can't. Number three, no one is beyond hope. No one is beyond hope. We say around here, everyone matters. That doesn't, that's just not people who come and on a Sunday morning and sit in the pew. That, that's not just people who have, have committed their lives to Christ. That's every single person. That's why we serve our community. That's why we serve Wednesday uh, Friendsgiving lunch. That's why we, we um, do uh, uh, serve Sunday. That's why we love our neighbor. That's why we serve our neighbor. It's why it's because everyone matters. It's because every single person is created in the image of God. Every person created in the image of God is loved by God. And if they're loved by God and we love God, then it's just logic that we love them too. And if you got caught up in all of that, I can talk to you later. But it, it's, it's relatively easy. Everyone matters. Number four, don't be surprised when this happens and someone responds. Don't be surprised when somebody gives their life to Christ. Uh, a youth pastor once told me, never forget this. He, he just said, I want you to all close your eyes. I want you to think of the worst person for me at that time. It was the worst person in your high school. Like the person who was so off the rails, the person, whether they're doing drugs or they're lying, they're stealing, they're, they're doing stuff, they're beating people up, the worst of the worst, the person who, who you would say is the furthest from Christ. My youth pastor said this, now can you see them at this altar giving their life to Christ? And if not, you're limiting God. Think of the worst of the worst in your life. Maybe you saw that person on Thanksgiving. Maybe they're related to you. Have you put them aside and said, you know what, they're unsavable. The light of Christ will never shine in their life. Are you limiting God? Saul, it can't be. Let me remind you today, no one is too far gone. And number five, this is a bonus. Don't put God in a box. Don't dictate how he or when he is going to move. Leave that up to him. A number of weeks ago, I talked about the fact that we are the delivery. We're responsible to deliver the message. We're responsible to be the light of the world, the salt of the world, the, the, the God flavoring this world. The response is up to them. Let's not put God in a box. Moving on and continuing the story in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. It says that Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The darkness would be gone and that the Holy Spirit would come and fill that void in his life. That was missing. And look what happens instantly. So something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized. After he had some food. And he regained his strength. And you know it's amazing. We've talked about this over and over. That, that God constantly is calling us to participate in what he is doing. And when we say yes and move in his direction. Supernatural things happen. 
Here's another example in Scripture. God tapping Ananias on the shoulder and saying, listen, I want you to be involved in what I'm doing in Saul's life. And Ananias saying, yes, even though I'm just kind of overwhelmed right now, I'm moving in that direction. And look at the supernatural event that takes place in Saul's life. A dramatic change. And I believe that God wants to do that for each of us to use us in great ways. See, Paul was walking in darkness and this tension, this frustration was immediately gone. He was relieved. Why? Because the light of Christ came in. And through Ananias, Paul received sight. And it wasn't just physical. It was a spiritual sight. It was salvation. It was a transformed heart. The darkness was gone. It was like this, wow, I now see it's like this flare going off, this search flare. This is a picture I found on the internet. It's the closest to what I could find. There was years ago, I was in high school. We had a, a, a trip to the east coast of Canada. There's this big, huge uh, island out there called Newfoundland. It's, it's part of Canada that Canada would like to ignore, but they have to. It's kind of a weird place. But anyways, we're out there and we're camping in Grossmore National Park, this most beautiful place, and it's overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And one night we're out there by the fire and it's dark and then all of a sudden this flare goes up in the air and it lights the ocean, it lights the shore, it lights the campsite, it like, like miles and miles and miles just like that. It was, just this, it was almost like daylight. You could see the colors of the forest and we come to find out that there was a boat that had gone missing out in the ocean and they were looking for it and the search planes were coming in and they were looking for this. But this flare, what did it do? It illuminated the darkness and it's a great image for what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, for us and what He wants to do in our community. He wants to be the light. He wants to shine His light to reveal that we wouldn't walk in darkness anymore. We wouldn't walk blinded. We wouldn't grope around in frustration. But we'd find our meaning and our purpose and our destiny in life. And not just us, but our community around us. I believe today there are two takeaways in this relief that comes. The first is in our lives and in your life. That, that we once again would embrace the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and what He has done in our life. It was earlier this week, Psalm 103, and my devotion came up. It's, it's, it's David saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Reminding his heart, reminding his soul of what is true, that God is worthy of what he has done in his life. And I believe again today it would be, be fitting for each and every one of us to remind our hearts and remind our souls to worship him for what he's done in our lives. That the light of Christ has shone in our lives and in our hearts. It's changed us. It's transformed us. And we need to get back to that. We need to remind ourselves what that means and what that's done. And second, I believe, number two, is that God wants you to be an Ananias in someone else's life this holiday season. So not only is it allowing the, the, the light of, of Jesus to infiltrate our hearts, but it's being willing to say, you know what? God, I know your light has come to shine into darkness and darkness might be related to me. Darkness might be working with me. Darkness might be meeting up with me sometime this week. But when it does, I'm willing to be tapped on the shoulder to say yes, to move in that direction and allow you to do supernatural things in someone's life. There's a big gulp and a big 
thing that gets stuck in your throat sometimes. I understand that. God's not calling you to preach a sermon. God's not calling you to stand up on the dinner table on Christmas Day and say, Hear ye, hear ye, y'all must be saved. But at the same time, in your way, in the way that God has called you to, in the way that he's nudging you, the light of the world has come to change and transform people's lives out of darkness into his light. I'm inviting the band to come up. And uh, a couple of verses, of scripture I want to share with you just before we close. But before we get to 2 Corinthians 4 and then Ephesians 1. <clears throat> this holiday season, I want you to be aware of your surroundings. I want you to be aware of darkness. And like I said, it, it doesn't come in the form of a horror movie or sinister, satanic activity, although that's a, that does happen, but it's not our everyday lives. It comes in the hopelessness and the helplessness and the blindedness that people are walking in our world. I want you to respond to God. I want you to be willing to lay hands on people and pray for them, that salvation would come and that the infilling of, the, of, of Christ's Holy Spirit would come into their lives. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, For God who said, let there be light, in the darkness, has made this light, Jesus, shine in our hearts. The God who at the very beginning of time said, let there be light. And light came and separated light from dark, day from night. That same God wants to speak into each of our hearts and wants to speak in our community with that same word of let there be light. And then listen to Paul. Remember Saul? His name was changed to Paul. And you think about that. Ananias wasn't saying, okay, I'm going to go and hang out with this dude because he's going to write three quarters of the New Testament. He didn't have that frame of reference. But yet, here, Paul's life changed dramatically. Here, here's his prayer for a church that he had planted in Ephesus. And listen to these words. I believe it's a prayer for our church as well. I pray for you, Crossroads, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Uh, the, the Greek word there is apocalypsis. It's where we get our word apocalypse, but it, it's not, ooh, you know, Armageddon. It, it, what apocalypsis means is revelation. It means to appear. It's this manifestation. It's to shed light on. So Paul, in fact, is saying, I'm praying for you, church, that your eyes would be open and Christ's light would come in and it would illuminate things. And you'd have this insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your, this, your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance. I want you to just look at that for a minute. That your hearts would be flooded with light. And that's what I want our prayer to be today. Just simply a response to God and saying, Lord, would you fill my heart today with light? Because even though I'm, I'm your child, even though I've, I've given my life to you, there are those places and those areas that continue to be encountered with shadows and darkness. And I want you to chase that out of my, my life, my heart, my mind, and my soul. Let's all stand. I'm inviting you to
Bow your heads in prayer with me. I want us to just start right there. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come and illuminate my heart. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There's a song I used to sing as a kid in church, and it was, Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. And the last refrain said, of all the kingdoms of my heart. And you think about that as a prayer. That we have all these, if we were to consider our hearts to be a, a home with all these rooms and nooks and crannies. It's very easy at times for us to close doors on certain areas and, and kind of board them off from the working of God's Holy Spirit. And when we simply pray that prayer, Lord, would you illuminate my heart? What we're saying is, Jesus, would you come and would you be the Lord of every area, every nook and cranny, every shadowy place in my heart? Would you come with your Holy Spirit and illuminate and bring your light, your joy, your peace, not a self-manufactured joy or peace, but a true peace. And that same miraculous event that took place with Saul, Lord, acknowledging that that's, that same exact supernatural transformation has happened in each of our lives as well. You've taken us from darkness into light. And so first, right here, Lord, we, we open up our hearts to you. And congregation, I'd encourage you just to do that in your own way. Just say, Lord, come in and illuminate my heart. Shine the light of Christ brightly in me. Chase away darkness, Lord. Fill me with your light. And then, Lord, I, I pray that as we surrender ourselves to you and we humbly respond to your love, Lord, I pray that in amazing supernatural ways, your light would come to those around us who are presently walking and living in darkness, groping along in frustration. Not because they want to, not because they desire to, but for one reason or another, yet they have not encountered the light of Christ. And so I pray that you'd help us to respond when given that opportunity. When you tap us on the shoulder saying yes and and moving in that direction. Lord, we pray for our work uh, companions, those who we work with who don't know Christ. We pray for our family members, our aunts and uncles, maybe even our, our sons or our daughters, our, our wives, our husbands, cousins that we'll get in touch with over the holidays. Lord, pray for their salvation. We pray for people in our community, uh, people in leadership, politically, business-wise. Lord, we pray that Christ would come into their lives. The light of Jesus, come and bring hope. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm inviting our altar team to come to the front. I invite you to respond. I invite you to uh, just say yes and amen to that. At the same time, if you're here and, and you have a, a need in your heart, maybe, uh, 
Maybe this uh, holiday season just amplified um, just some relationship, maybe family relationships that are in need of a touch from the Lord. I, I encourage you to come for prayer. Maybe um, you have a physical need. Um, just maybe a heaviness in your heart. Um, know that Jesus is here and he wants to reveal your, himself to you in a, in, a, in a powerful way today. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. And uh, before that, we'd love to offer ministry to you. If you'd step out from your seat and come forward, we'd love to pray with you. Pastor Barry will dismiss us in just a few moments. All right, come as we sing.